enough, right? Uh, there's nothing else that is needed. It's just what Jesus Christ did for us, and we praise God for that. Well, I am glad to be back this evening. Um, I wasn't gone last Wednesday. I was here. I was just in another class, and uh, I got to fill in for uh, a master club class. And uh, I'm telling you, if, if I was not the pastor and had to preach every service, I know I, I would be working with kids, right? They are so annoying, and they don't listen, and, you know, they think they know everything, but I love kids. I love working with kids, and, uh, you know, it's just great. And so I'm telling you, if you are looking for a place to serve, I'm telling you, you will not find a greater place to serve than in our kids' ministries. And um, because here's the thing, serving in our kids' ministries is not just about babysitting. You know, that's where a lot of people think of children's ministries as just babysitting. That's not what it is at all. Um, In our children's ministries and our kids' ministries and teens and things like that, the time that we have with them, we're not babysitting them, we're investing in them. And, and we're trying to teach them, and we're trying to help them to learn uh, the Bible and things. And so I'm telling you, there is no greater place uh, to serve than to be able to get in and try to invest in the lives of those young people. And so uh, I'm telling you, I, it was great, and I appreciated the opportunity. Um, of course, God has called me to preach, and I am the pastor, so I will be here on a regular basis, so don't get worried, all right? Um, but, well, actually, I won't be on a few Wednesdays now on a regular basis because we're going to be switching over to a different book. But um, again, I'm not leaving. I'm still here, all right? Micah chapter 7. <laughs> They're really trying to get the prize, aren't they, right? They, they were, it was over on that chair over there. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going to be trying to rush up and find the prize, right? No, no, you guys can stay. Where where are you going? Where are you going? (laughs) Oh, that's great. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I love our church. You know what? I do. I'm telling you, we are crazy here, but I love our church. It's great. Amen. Um, Where was I? Micah. I'm trying to get into Micah here. Micah chapter 7. I see what they're trying to do, right? They're, they're trying to, you know, they know I'm supposed to finish tonight, and they're trying to extend it. They really want me to go another week, and so that's why they're, you know, just trying to push and push and push. Is that what it is? Nah. My dad's like, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah, because any longer than I go than tonight, I start cutting into his time, and he doesn't like that. So, But you know what's great about being the pastor? I can do it, and he can't say anything about it. <laughs> Uh, that's great. There, there, are some, there are some perks to being the pastor and having your dad in the church. <laughs> just a few, just a few. Micah chapter 7, here we go. Micah chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 14, and we'll read down to the end of the chapter here. Micah chapter 7, verse number 14. He says, Feed thy people with thy rod. The flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood, in the midst of Carmel, let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things, 
The nation shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee, who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. As we come to the kind of the end here of the book of Micah, and kind of concluding this study, I'm telling you, Micah has been just a tremendous study as we've been going through it. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever really studied the book of Micah um, like this and just been an absolutely tremendous study. But it's really interesting as we come here, I don't know if you noticed, and many times, unless we really take something verse by verse, it's hard to break something down like this. But there's actually, in these verses we just read, Micah speaks then God speaks, and then Micah speaks again, right? So there's, there's a, it's almost like there's a conversation that's taking place here between Micah and God, right? Um, and I don't, I don't think there's, you know, it's, it's not by chance this is kind of at the end. Obviously, we've seen Micah speak before, and then we've seen God answer and things like this. But, but notice, as, as we look at this, in verse number 14, there is, we find Micah's cry. Micah is crying out to God here, right? Notice what he says, feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood in the midst of Carmel. Now, notice this, he's, he's crying out to God. Now, again, Micah, Micah knows that, uh, that judgment is coming, Right? But he's crying out to God. He lifts up his voice and he cries out to, to the Lord in prayer, asking God to be the faithful shepherd. Of course, we know Micah is, is hundreds of years after, uh, after King David. And so there's no doubt that Micah was aware of the, the passages in the book of Psalms where David often refers to the Lord as our shepherd, right? There's no doubt about that. And so notice he says, feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood in the midst of Carmel. And so he's asking God, he's crying out to God to be that faithful shepherd and to care for his people. Micah hasn't forgotten who's in charge. Even though he knows that judgment is going to come, he knows that God is still in control. And he's crying out to God to be that faithful shepherd because he's, he's thinking, look, Israel is, they're dwelling solitarily in the wood. and They're, they're not really in their, their home. The northern tribe has been taken into captivity. Uh, Judah has, many of them have been taken into captivity and many more will be taken into captivity. And so he says, we're, we're not where we're supposed to be. This isn't the way God intended it for us. Now we're in this situation because of our own for our own problems, right? This is our fault we're in this, but he's crying out to God to be that, that faithful shepherd and to remember his people. And, and it's really interesting. He says, feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, right? He's, 
And again, I don't think you have to remind God who he is or who you are, but he's just saying, God, remember, we are, we're yours. We are your heritage. We belong to you, right? And then he says, let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. And so he's remembering and he's asking God to, to bring them back to, to the, how it was before, right? He's, he's, he's remembering when the land was fruitful, when there was peace in the land, and the people followed God as their shepherd. And he's remembering, he's saying, God, this is what I'm crying out for. I'm, I'm crying out that you would, you would bring this again, remember where we were, and bring this back. And then notice, verse number 15 is God's reply. God now speaks, and this is what God says. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. So here is, again, when we read through, uh, when we saw the, the, end, or the beginning of chapter 7, how does chapter 7 begin? Woe is me, right? Chapter 7 begins, judgment is coming, and, and Micah is crying out saying, God, be merciful to us. God, we're in this because of our own fault, yes, but don't forget us. And he's saying, Lord, bring us back to how it was before. Remember the days of old, he says. And watch what God says. God replies to Micah. He says, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. God replies to Micah. He says, it will be like the days when they came out of Egypt. He's going to show them marvelous things. Now, again, think with me. How did, how did God show them marvelous things when they came out of the land of Egypt? Now, again, we're not talking about, uh, we understand that God fed Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. We understand that, right? But that's not what Micah's talking about. That's not what God is speaking about, right? He said, I showed you marvelous things when I brought you out of the land of Egypt, and I'm going to show you marvelous things again. So think about what happened. In, when Israel was in Egypt, where they were in bondage, God is going to deliver his people out, but yet Pharaoh refused to let them go. Right? He refused to let them go. And so God is, going, God is going to use these 10 plagues, and what is he going to do? He's going to show them his power. He's going to show them that their God, the God of Israel, is greater than any God that Egypt could even think of. And so God begins to bring the plagues. And if you'll go back and study, you'll find that each plague that God brought against Egypt was against one of the gods that they followed, that they served. And God was in this showing that he was greater than any of the gods that they had heard about from Egypt. And so God uses these 10 plagues, and, and we're not going to go through all the plagues, but you can just remember how God just brought a, a powerful nation to its knees. And there was no army. It was just God using these plagues. And then as, as Egypt, or Israel is brought out of Egypt, and they didn't just come out as paupers. The Bible says they spoiled Egypt as they came out. In other words, the Egyptians were saying, please leave. And don't just leave, but take something with you. Take sheep and take goats and take gold and take silver. I mean, they, they came out rich from being slaves to now being prosperous. 
And then, of course, as they're leaving, of course, Moses then brings them down to a place called Pihahiroth, which is near the Red Sea, and, and they're encamped by the Red Sea, and then, of course, uh, Pharaoh and his army, they begin to follow after, and they surround the, uh, the Israelites at the bank of the, uh, the Red Sea, and they're wondering what's going to happen. We're going to die. Moses, we should have stayed in Egypt. We should have stayed there. Now we're going to die out here. And God does something absolutely marvelous again. What does he do? He opens up the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea and the Israelites cross the Red Sea on dry ground. And then as the Egyptian army comes behind them, God closes the Red Sea. By the way, it was the Red Sea, not the Reed Sea, right? People say, well, it was the Reed Sea. You're going to tell me that full-grown military men drowned in a foot and a half of water. That's not going to happen, right? It was the Red Sea, okay? Uh, all these critics, and well, that just couldn't happen. Why? God said he's going to show them a marvelous thing. God said, I'm going to do something that nobody else can do. And God did it. He opened up the Red Sea, and he delivered them. He brought them out. And he says, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt... And notice, he says, will I show unto him marvelous things? And so God is saying, hey, Micah, I hear your cry. I, I hear you're wanting it to be like it was before. And he says, Micah, here is my reply. Here is my answer to you. Micah's crying out to God. And God says, Micah, by the way, remember, remember what he said back in verse number seven? Therefore, will I look unto the Lord? I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me absolute confidence that God would hear him, right? And so he cries out and he said, God, please let it be this way. And God replies and says, Micah, it's going to be the way that, that it was when I brought them out. He's going to lead them out of Egypt miraculously. The 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. Now, here's where we have to understand this. When God delivered Israel from Babylon and brought them back into Israel brought them back. There was no marvelous miracles. So he's not speaking about when he says, I'm going to do this, this marvelous thing because it's going to be so marvelous that he says, the nation shall see and be confounded, right? The nations were not confounded when Israel left Babylon and came back into Israel. There was no marvelous works that were being done when Israel came back into the promised land. So when are these marvelous things going to take place? Well, again, think with me about this, because in verse number 16, the speaker changes again. Verse number 14 was Micah. Verse number 15 is God speaking. Verse number 16 to the end of the chapter is Micah speaking again. God just basically said, Micah, this is what I'm going to do. And from that point on, we see a complete change in Micah's attitude. Everything changes at God's reply for Micah. And I was, as I was writing the message down, I, I was talking about, you know, in verse number 14, here's Micah's cry. And then in verse number 15, here's God's reply. And then it goes back to Micah again. I could not think of a word that rhymed with Micah's cry and God's reply. And I was like, I even asked my daughter, Addie, she's really good with words. I think, I need a word for this. And she's like, you know, fish fry. I'm like, no, that's not going to work, you know. 
Um, and so just to, you know, just to be a good Baptist and make sure all my words sound the same, and I thought this was, was actually kind of pretty good as well, the, from here on out is really, because again, this is the concluding part, this is Micah's goodbye. Do you like how I did that? Micah's cry, God's reply, but here's Micah's goodbye. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find, you might find one or two, but you're not going to find a goodbye in any other book like what Micah does here. Now, maybe if you go to the book of Revelation, obviously we understand the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. But this one's pretty powerful here, right? Watch what he says, verse number 16. The nation, now this is Micah speaking again. He, God has just told him, this is what I'm going to do, right? And so here's Micah's attitude just completely changing. The nation shall see and be confounded at their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Right? This is not God speaking. This is Micah speaking. Micah heard what God said. Micah said, hey, God, I'm crying out to you. God replied and said, Micah, it's going to be like when I brought you out of Egypt. I'm going to show marvelous works. And everything just changed for Micah at that point. There is now a, a, an excitement in Micah. There is, there is an anticipation in Micah. And this is what he says. Man, the nations will see and be confounded. He, he has been interceding for Israel and Judah, and nobody has been listening. They've rejected his message. He knows that judgment is coming. He begs God for mercy on his people. And then when he hears God say that he's going to restore them as the day they came out of Egypt, he's going to show them marvelous things, his whole attitude changes. The nations would see what God would do with Israel. The nations would see and be confounded at their might. This is what he says. The nations shall, shall see and be confounded at their might. What did the nations think when they came out of Egypt? What did the nations think when Israel came out of Egypt? Well, the Bible tells us what they thought. In fact, if you go to the book of Joshua, chapter 2, in verse number 10 and 11, we find from one of their own citizens the thoughts of the nations. In Joshua chapter 2, in verse number 10, 11, this is Rahab speaking. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Marvelous. They said, we've never heard of anything like that before. That was absolutely amazing. Our gods can't do that. And when, uh, when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Now watch. For the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. You don't think God's marvelous works in bringing Israel out of Egypt had an impact on the nations around? It was pretty obvious that they did. And, and again, they said, look, we are, a, we are scared to death. Our, our hearts have melted. There's no courage in any man because of you. But he said, it's not because of you. We're not afraid of the Israelites. We're not afraid of the bunch of slaves that just came out of Egypt. We're afraid because of who your God is. 
your God, the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven and earth. We've never seen a God like this before. This is amazing. Marvelous. And this is what Micah is saying. Micah is remembering Micah's remembering what happened, and he said, this is what's going to happen again. When God shows these marvelous things, the nations will see and be confounded at their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. That's what Micah says. They're going to fear, they're going to be afraid, not because of Israel, but because of who our God is. Who our God is. What's interesting is what nation like Israel is so small and yet carries so much weight in the world today? Ever thought about that? Israel is such a small nation Again, I think at the beginning or sometime when we were talking about this, we were talking about Israel. Israel has the population of Jews and Israelis around the world is about less than 20 million. 20 million. And yet the whole world is focused on Israel. Of eight billion people in the world, it all focuses on 20 million. That's pretty amazing. Oh, America, yeah, everything focuses on. No, it doesn't focus on America. We have 330, 340 million people in America. Nobody cares about America, nobody cares about us. Oh, I mean, we have an influence in the world, but it, the focus is not on us. Yeah, we have our enemies, but not like Israel does. They, are, they have tried for centuries to destroy Israel, to wipe them off the face of the earth. Can't be done. This is what he's saying. They shall fear because of thee. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God. They're going to fear because of him. But here, let me just say this. Even as great as they are now, Because this is what he's talking about. Nations are going to be amazed. People are going to be amazed at the power and the might of Israel. But even as great as Israel is now, it is nothing compared to what it's going to be like one day when Jesus returns and sits on his throne in Jerusalem. Nothing compared to what it's going to be like. You want to talk about, and again, it's, it's very interesting how Micah and, and God reverts back to how they came out of Egypt and showing the marvelous things. Because when we go forward in history, we know the next, if we could say, the next big event in biblical time, time in our Bible time, the next big event is going to be the rapture of the church and the tribulation. And what takes place in the tribulation? If we could call that, it's plagues. And what is God going to do? He's going to show the world who their God is, who our God is. Now, praise God, if you're saved here tonight, you're not going to be here for that. Praise the Lord for that, right? But as God comes back to Israel and he's using these seven years, 
These seven years, God is going to pour out his wrath and there's going to be plague after plague after plague poured out upon the world. And they are going to recognize and understand that there is a God that is greater than any God that they've ever thought of. And he's going to reveal, he's going to again reveal himself how powerful he is. But again, notice Micah says that the nations would be afraid not of Israel, not of Israel's strength, although they would be strong, they would be afraid of the Lord our God. They would fear because of you, Micah says. They're going to look to you. And, and again, Micah is just, I, I think that you can see at the end here, there's just a different attitude Micah has. There's an anticipation. There, there's an excitement. Man, right now during Micah's time, no nation fears Israel. I mean, the northern kingdoms and the northern ten tribes, they've all been taken into captivity. Nobody feared them. The, the, two, the, the two tribes in the south, uh, um, Judah and Benjamin, they're being attacked by the Assyrians. They're being attacked by the Egyptians. They're being attacked by the Babylonians. Nobody fears them now. And Micah's thinking, man, nobody fears Israel right now. But God says there's going to be a time when they're going to be feared again. Israel as a nation is going to be feared again, their strength, but not because of who they are, but because of their God. There's going to be a time when Israel is going to turn back to their God. Now, again, we know that the first couple, three and a half years, Israel rejects God still. In the tribulation period, they're still rejecting God, but there's going to be a time when they're going to recognize who their God truly is, and they're going to turn back to him. And the nations are going to know. Even though the Antichrist and all the nations are going to try to destroy them, just as they have for centuries, it will be impossible to do. And Micah, there is an, there is an excitement here. There's an anticipation. And look how Micah presents the Lord. And watch, this is amazing, right? Verse number 18. Who is a God like unto thee? that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. What is Micah saying? Hey, I know, Micah says, I know judgment is about to fall. I know we're, we're, the rest of us are about ready to be taken into captivity. Judgment is coming and it's our fault. <laughs> but who's a God like our God? Who is a God like our God? I mean, Micah has just been told by God, hey, yes, Micah, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be, there's going to be difficulty. But here's what I'm going to do, Micah. I'm going to bring you back to how it was before. And the nations are going to know who you are, that you are my people, and they're going to know who I am, that I am your God, and that I am the God. And Micah just... I don't know if Micah falls on his knees and just lifts his hands up to God and says, God... Who is, like, who is a God like you? Who is a God like our God? What does he say? That pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant. What does he say? Our God forgives sins. Our God forgives. Can I tell you, you're not going to find many gods that forgive. You do, you do a God wrong. Again, I... Please understand what I'm saying. We know there's only one God, right? But the world serves a lot of other gods. You do that God wrong, guess what? You have to pay. It's coming out of you. But our God forgives. Our God is loving. 
Yes, is he, is he a just God? Is he a righteous God? Yes, judgment was coming. But he said, our God, he forgives. Our God, he says, that, that passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Our God doesn't hold our sin over us. Our God isn't constantly reminding, hey, you remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? Remember when you failed me there? Remember when you disobeyed me there? Remember when you failed me there? Aren't you glad our God doesn't do that? Aren't you glad God doesn't hold it over us all the time? You're like, man, you're such a failure. You're such a, you're such a moron. I mean, how could you do that? I mean, didn't you learn from the last time? Aren't you glad the Bible says his mercies are new every morning? Great is thy faithfulness. That's what Micah's saying. Who is a God like unto our God? Who forgives sins? Who doesn't hold our sin over us constantly badgering and, and beating us down? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Can you make God mad? Sure. You disobey him? You turn away from him? Does it, does it cause, cause God to get angry? Yes, it does. But he says he doesn't retain his anger forever. Why? Because we're so good? No. Because what does he delight in? Mercy. He delights in mercy. He wants to show mercy. Do you understand that in, in giving us his son, Jesus Christ, to, to, to die on the cross for our sins, he's delighting in mercy. He does that for mercy's sake. Not because of anything that we have done. It's to show mercy. He does it because he delights in mercy. Micah says, I know judgment's coming, but I also know there's no God like our God. He forgives sin. He doesn't hold us over it all the time. He doesn't stay angry. He delights in mercy. Now watch, watch verse number 19. This is amazing. That's what I'm saying. There's, Micah's giving us his goodbye, but there's not a goodbye like this one. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Micah says he's never going to forsake us. He'll turn again. Is there going to be a time when God is going to have to turn away from Israel because of their wickedness and because of their sin? Are there going to be consequences that Israel is going to have to go through? Yes. Just like, look, your, your child, you, you love your child, but when they disobey, there are consequences. It doesn't change your love for them, but there are consequences that they have to endure because of their disobedience or rebellion, but you still love them. But there's going to be consequences. God says there's going to be consequences, but I want you to know I'm going to turn back. I'm going to turn back to you. He said he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. Aren't you thankful that he has compassion? Aren't you thankful that he's a God that loves and shows compassion day after day? He will subdue our iniquities and cast, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You know what the word subdue means? It means to conquer, to get victory over. What does he say? Thou will, he will subdue our iniquities. How in the world is God going to be able to get victory over our sin? 
God cannot accept sin. He cannot condone sin. How is he going to get victory? How is he going to be able to subdue our sin and our iniquities? God had a plan for that. His name was Jesus. And Jesus would come and he would die for the sins of the world. The Bible said he conquered sin and the grave. He conquered death. He subdued our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Again, he says he's not a God that holds your sin over you. He says, man, when it's forgiven, it is cast into the depths of the sea. So the psalmist says he cast it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore. You say, well, I, man, I sure remember them. Yeah, we do. We remember our failures. We remember how we fail God. We remember how we fail our family, how we fail our friends. We remember those things. Can I tell you, it's not God holding it over you. Maybe you're holding it over you. Maybe the devil's using it to hold over you. But can I tell you, God doesn't hold it over you. God says he's forgiven it. He's forgiven it. It's cast into the depths of the sea. I mean, it, it's amazing how um, people, they, have, they, they say, and I, I, I can't give you the exact numbers and things, but they say we have explored more in the outer space than we have in our own oceans. There are parts of the ocean we've, they've never even been to yet. They don't even know what's there. And this is on our planet, on our earth. They have no idea what's there. He says, as far as, as deep as the seas are, you're never going to find it anymore. You're not going to be able to find it. As far as the east is from the west, he said, he has cast all our sin into the depths of the sea. But this is the verse that I think really, really that Micah just absolutely ends on emphatically. Thou, again, this is Micah speaking. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to God. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob, and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our father from the days of old. You know what Micah is saying? You're the God that forgives sins. You're the God that casts our sins in the deepest parts of the sea, never remembered. But he said, you're the God who always keeps his promises. He said, you're going to keep your promise, God. I know there's a confidence you're going to keep your word. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham. He's going to keep the promise that he made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. If, if nothing else, get this. Again, think about this. This is what's absolutely amazing about this. He's going to keep the promise that he made to them about bring, making them his people and bring them into this promised land and making a great nation out of them. And one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to rule and reign there in Jerusalem. These are the promises that he made to them. And if you don't get anything else, please get this. Their sin... Their sin, and Micah said, it's our, this judgment is because of our sin. But their sin did not cancel God's promise. Their sin didn't cancel the promises of God. 
Would you think about that for a second? God could have said, you know what? You, you, you have turned away from me. You've rejected me. You've gone after other gods. You've sacrificed your own children to other gods. You've done horrible, wicked things. He could have said, you know what? I'm done with you. Promise over. But no, Micah says there's no God like our God. And the promises that God has made, he said, even the sin of Israel would not cancel those promises. Just as a child of God today is promised eternal life, can we still sin? Yes. As a child of God, yes, we still sin. But our sin does not cancel God's promise. Doesn't cancel it. You think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son left home, left his father, left his family, went into the far country. When the, fa- when the prodigal returned, when the prodigal son returned and he fell upon his father's neck, did the father push his son away and say, how dare you return? How dare you come back here this way? Where is, where is the inheritance that I gave you? Where is, where is the money? Where are the clothes that I provided for you? You don't have any of it? You know, most people would say, if that's the way the son returned, the son deserves to be punished. What punishment did the prodigal son receive from the father? None. Not when he returned. Where was he punished? He was punished in the world. He was punished by leaving the Father. He was punished in all that he did, losing everything. That's where the punishment, that's where the consequences came from. Don't think that just because we, our, our sin doesn't cancel God's promise that we can just live in sin and get away with it. No, 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 friend. We're not just going to get away with sin. Yes, we can return to the Father, and again, our sins are cast, and there's forgiveness, and and He is accepting. But look, there are going to be consequences that we will endure if we remain in the world and choose to walk away. It doesn't cancel the promise that we are His. And this is what Mike is saying. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. God, you promised that you were going to bring us back. You promised that we were going to be your people. You promised all of these things. Did that stop the consequences coming upon Israel and Judah? No, of course not. They were still going to get the consequences. Why? Because they chose to walk away from God. But God says, just because you chose to walk away doesn't mean that I break my promise. The promises are still there. I still will bring you back. Why do we, why do we know that Jesus is coming? Because he said he's coming. Why do we know that, that, that all that's going to transpire in the tribulation and that God is going to do these things? Because God said he's going to do it. Why do we know that Jesus is going to rule and reign in Jerusalem? Because he said he's going to do it. Why do we know that we're going to spend a thousand years ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth? Because he said he's going to do it. Why do we know that we're going to spend eternity with God forever? Because he said he was going to do it. Our sin doesn't cancel the promises of God. 
But friend, when we choose, like Israel did, to turn our back upon our God and go in our own way and walk in the world and do what we want, there are going to be consequences. But please don't ever, and I know there's many religions that teach this, they say, hey, if you walk away from God, you lose your salvation. Your sin does not cancel God's promises. There will be consequences. There's no doubt about that. But he says, thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham. He says, you promised this, Lord. And even though, look, he knows judgment is right around the corner. It is right around the corner for Israel. He says, I'm still excited. Not that judgment is coming, but he's excited about who his God is. And this is what this whole ending is about. He's crying out, God, please feed our people. Don't forget about them. And God says, I'm not going to forget about them. I've not forgotten about them, Micah. Don't worry, Micah. I'm going to bring them back. The the world is going to see the marvelous things. And Micah completely changed it. Instead of it being, woe is me. Now he's saying, God, the world is going to know who you are. Because you will not forget your promises and you will bring Israel back so that you can receive the glory now I'm telling you if there is nothing more look I know the days and things that we're living in they're not good we could say I know man it's going to get worse but can I say you know what our focus shouldn't be on us Our focus shouldn't be on what's around us or what we're going through. That's not what our focus ought to be on. Our focus ought to be, you know, what are the promises of God? What are God's promises? God's promise said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God's promise says, I'll give you eternal life. God's promise says, I'm going to come back and one day I will receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. God's promises are true. But do we really believe them? Do we really believe them? Or do we sometimes we just maybe think they're fairy tales? Sometimes we just think, well, you know, I know it's in the Bible, but I'm not really sure if it's really going to happen. You know what Micah said? I know. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yes, we're about ready to go into judgment. And yes, it's very possible that Micah probably even died in captivity. But he said, it's true, God never breaks his promise. And I may not see it in my lifetime, Micah says, but I know God's going to remember. He's going to bring them back. He's going to perform the truth that he said, the mercy to Abraham. He's going to do it. Who is a God like our God? Who is a God? Friend, think with me tonight. What God loves you enough after you sinned against him that he'd be willing to take your iniquity upon himself and your sins upon himself so that you could just be with him? There's not another God like our God. Micah says, who is a God like unto thee? Friend, there is no God like him. 
And as a Christian, that ought to motivate us. That ought to cause us to desire to want to serve Him and to give our life for Him. Whatever He wants for us. Lord, hey, there's no, there's no other God like You. There's no God that's done for me what You have done for me. And so God, whatever You want, I'm willing to do. Why? Because who is a God like Him? I wonder if our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening, nobody looking about. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I wonder tonight, you know, sometimes we can look at all that's going on in the world and we can just become dejected and depressed and everything and just think everything's going bad. But friend, don't don't look around. Hey, we're in this mess because of our sin. That's why we're in this mess. It's because of us, because of our sin. But don't ever forget who our God is. Don't ever forget what He has done for us. Don't ever forget that He is a God who hears and answers prayer. He's a God that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Remember the promises of God. Trust Him. Trust Him. Father, I pray that You'd work in our hearts tonight. Lord, thank You for the book of Micah. Lord, just how You've used it in my life. and Lord, may we, like Micah, even though as we see all that Micah went through and nobody, nobody listened, but yet... God, he still looked to you. And even though he knew judgment was coming, he still had that hope and faith and confidence, Lord, that you would never forget them. You would keep your word. That even though Israel had sinned against you, that would not cause the promises of God to be broken. Lord, help us to remember. Help us to remember your promises, Lord. There is no God like you, and that we would have a desire to serve you in whatever way you'd have us to. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the pianist is just going to play softly. Maybe tonight, maybe there's something that God has spoken to your heart about. Maybe right there in your seat. Maybe you just need to pray and talk to him tonight. Whatever it might be. Maybe you think, hey, I've, I've blown it. I've failed him. He doesn't, he doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't care about me anymore. My friend, you're wrong. Maybe you've blown it. Maybe you failed him. But he's a God that forgives. And if we'll go to him and ask him to forgive us, he'll make us right again. we've gotten discouraged looking all that's going on in the world there's just no hope friend don't forget who our God is he'll never forsake you never fail you he's going to keep his promise you say will I see him return I don't know 
I don't know how long the Lord's going to wait till he returns. We may not see it in our lifetime, but I know he's going to return because he said so. He's going to keep his word. We can trust him. God bless you for being here tonight. I'm going to have Brother Joel come this evening and share some prayer requests with us.